have your Bibles tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. Arnold Schwarzkopf, great American general, Gulf War, said about leadership. Leadership consists of two things. It consists of character and strategy. You must have a plan. If you can't have both, you need character. General Douglas MacArthur. Someone asked, what's the greatest quality of a leader? And he said, selflessness. In other words, it's, it's one that has a direction that's clear, but it's one that wants people alongside of him. He wants to go the same direction as an example. Peter, the apostle, speaking of Christ, for, he, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that you should follow his steps. So a great leader is one that has a clear direction, is willing to make a sacrifice, is willing to always do the right thing, has character. And one that puts himself behind those that follow him, their needs. So having said that, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read you a passage, and then I'm going to go back and speak to you about the attitude or the atmosphere, the atmosphere that should be in a home. It's the atmosphere of love and the atmosphere of support. Notice Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, <clears throat> love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There was General MacArthur's selflessness. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such things, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Down in verse 33. 
Nevertheless, in summation, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. <clears throat> An atmosphere of love. I've studied out and sort of lined out, if I could, um, several things about the atmosphere of love. <clears throat> I remember growing up, driving, we lived a long way from church. As a matter of fact, we lived on North Dallas, kind of northwest, and our church was south and uh, sort of dead south of Dallas. And so we would drive 30, 40 minutes each Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And something we would do is, now, now, now hang on to your seat, we would sing together as a family. Three of us. Not like the Dela Cruz's. Um, not like the Lawrence's. We just sang a joyful noise, okay? It was okay to miss a note. <clears throat> it was okay as long as you let her rip. Okay, so we sang together an atmosphere of love for the Lord. I can remember inviting missionaries over to our, our house and having a big meal for them. And I remember my dad was out in the backyard. He had grill out, out chicken and steaks. And I mean, he had all of it out there. And my mom would fix baked potatoes and, and corn and green beans. And, and uh, man, when they came over, they said, wow, this, this is a feast. It's too good for me. And there was this atmosphere of love and sacrifice and giving. It was wonderful. And my mom, she wanted me to know that we were going to follow dad. I think that's the reason I listened to my dad and got my plumbing license, even though I had no intention of doing plumbing. But there was such a respect for my dad, uh, I'd been taught to obey by my mother. <clears throat> Children, obey your parents on the word for this is right. And I am so grateful. I, I would have never been able to do some things financial that I've been able to do if it were not for that plumbing license that I got. I got my first job at, at college. There were no jobs to be had. It was 1971, and the interest rate was like 15%, it seemed like. And, and uh, uh, boy, it was really tough. And, and uh, I went to school, and I needed a job, and and they wouldn't give me a job in the plumbing department until I said, I have my plumbing license from Texas. You do? Well, we can use you. Because of my dad, because of my mom fostering an attitude of support to dad. And my dad was really had a clear direction. He was an honest man. Never once heard him curse. Never heard him lie. Never heard him tell a dirty joke. <clears throat> How's it really so hard for me to understand after a, a period of time, all of a sudden, a left-hand turn? Never to come back, really. And so in my heart, I realized the, the quality of integrity. Listen to this. Uh, a University of Santa Clara uh, did a study of uh, 1,500 business managers, leaders, bosses, and owners and among them and said, what are the value, what are the most value in, in a boss, in leaders? The survey real, realized uh, that they, re, they really respected competence, 
the skill in providing a direction seems to be coming up. Direction. A purpose. But there was a fourth quality besides competence and inspiration to be able to inspire someone and be able to provide a direction that was clear. The fourth quality they admired the most was integrity. Being known for being honest, someone they could trust. So men in this room, our job is to provide an environment or an atmosphere of love in our homes. It's pretty easy to do when you've fallen in love with Jesus Christ. When you have a master plan of, Lord, I want to put you first. Lord, I want you to be the leader of my home. Is it any wonder, if you have your Bible, turn to Job chapter 1. I want you to notice this passage, Job chapter 1. <coughs> it is very rare to have, <coughs> notice if you would, in verse number 2. And there were born unto him, this is to Job, seven sons and three daughters. Now, if you had ten children, it would be pretty unusual to be able to get ten children and their families all together on any regular basis. Notice, verse 4, and his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So the seven brothers each had a day, and they always fixed a meal and invited their, their sisters and everybody over. So do you see the sense of love and family and everybody getting together? It was wonderful. I remember growing up in Oklahoma, my grandparents would have a July 4th celebration. And boy, I tell you, we had, uh, we had homemade ice cream. You know the kind you crank the thing, you know, you put it on there. How many of you ever had homemade ice cream like that? It is nothing like it. A bluebell can't touch that ice cream if it's done right. I mean, you crank it. And my job was to sit on the ice until something froze and I had to get up and walk around. And so you were, you were sitting there trying to keep that thing steady and you'd sit on that thing. They'd put papers over it, uh, newspapers, and you'd sit on that. And boy, they'd crank it to keep that thing steady. And I'd say, how much longer, Granddad? Well, it, it's getting harder. How many of you remember when it got really good and hard and you're just trying to crank it? And, and boy, they didn't have any electric anything. Didn't even have an electric washer. It was a crank. And so they cranked that thing, but everybody from family camp. We rode horses. We went fishing. Uh, we had a big dinner together. There was an atmosphere of love in that place. And the responsibility of every man in this room is to provide that atmosphere in your home. A clear direction. That's the thing I want to do. I want to please the Lord with all my heart. I actually got my purpose in life, my, my, my love for the Lord from my father. And when he turned and went left, it wasn't strong enough to keep me. I'd already gotten in my heart that the Lord was worth serving. And it stuck. 
that atmosphere of love that we're all together in this thing. We're all going to heaven together uh, because we're going to each one trust Christ as Savior. And, and the Lord is worth serving. Let's sing together. And so we sang even off key and off note, but we sang because of the love for God. That atmosphere is critical. Number one in that atmosphere is a clear direction. Uh, everybody likes to follow a leader that's going someplace. No one wants to find somebody that one day is going this direction, another day is going that direction. That's what confusion results. <clears throat> it's important that a husband gets up on a regular basis at a regular time and is sitting there reading his Bible and studying God's Word and praying so that the family can tell uh, they may not see that every day, but they know it's happening. There is a clear direction. Jesus is first in my life. You can forgive a lot when you know someone has that as their goal in life, their direction in life. I want to please the Lord with all of my heart. So everything about it, the job that I get is, Lord, is this the one you want for me? The house that I live in, Lord, is this the one you want for me? You pray about buying a car. You pray about buying a house. You pray about getting, uh, about getting a, a job. You pray about uh, various things that you're going to do. You pray about a vacation. Uh, that pray about a vacation? Yes. Lord, is this where you want us to go? Maybe there's somebody in uh, above the Arctic Circle, below the Arctic Circle, or in the, somewhere in, in Zimbabwe, or somewhere in Belize, or in the Caribbean that, that needs the Lord. And, and uh, so you, you take some tracks, and you pass them out at the airport, and you pass them out when you get to the person comes and brings you something to your room. You say, thank you. Here's, here's $5, and, and would you read this? And, and, and everywhere you go, you just sense there's this direction of your father. <clears throat> That's missing in about 90% of homes. Do you remember what Joshua said in Joshua 24? I know not what course others may take, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Clear direction. But <clears throat> Listen to this. The University of Santa Clara also did a study. It's one of the worst characteristics of bad leaders. One, they're aggressive against the people who do not agree with them. Two, they're apprehensive of others behind them that they're scheming against them. They don't trust anybody. They're fatalistic in thinking that most workers aren't to be trusted. They're just hireling, but you can't trust them. They're inflexible in believing their way is the only way. They're impulsive, and they believe, just do what I say and don't think about it. And they're prejudiced. One of the common things, they're prejudiced against certain people, groups, religions, or nations. Characteristics of bad leaders. What did Jesus say? You'll know my disciples by their love one for another, by their love for people. For God so loved the world. So a great leader, number one, uh, according to Scripture, has a clear direction. You can see that. Uh, he, Jesus Christ was an example to the people behind him. But number two, uh, of a sacrificial love. Look in chapter, look in Ephesians. I want you to see very quickly Ephesians 
chapter number five and look at verse number, uh, verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ put the church before himself. He died for us that we could become a church, that we, be, we could become Christians that were a part of his, his body. He put us first. Love demands that you put your wife and your children first. It's a sacrificial love. It's what causes you to do right when somebody in the family doesn't. You, you, you have a purpose. You have a direction. And you love them. But you're not changing your direction. Because it's right. It's not an inflexibility. It, it's a purpose. There's a difference. Inflexibility, this is what we're going to do. If you don't like it, get out. Uh, but we can't do that because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to honor the Lord. That, that's not honoring to the Lord. You can't do that. I can't do that. Number two, uh, number three, honors others before themselves. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 3. And notice verse 7. <clears throat> Likewise, your husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, according to the understanding, giving honor unto your wife. Do you get that? Giving honor unto your wife. Uh, honor is to giving great value to your wife. She knows she's important to you. It's a part of Loving someone is making them feel important. Notice this, as into the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. In other words, you're going someplace together. You're not just going with or without her. <clears throat> One of my worst characteristics of years gone by and even after think about it is getting too far ahead and maybe I've got a purpose. I'm looking around and, and uh, hey, hey, Janet, let me, let me slow down. Come here. Give me your hand. And we'll hold hands together so that I you know, I, I think she maybe feels like I love to hold her hand and I do, but I, I, if I don't, I'm going to just get my own thing going. But as long as I feel her hand there, I know she's right there. And it causes me to think about what I'm doing. I'm not alone. I better be right. Lord, help me. There is an honor to those in your care. All of them. <clears throat> Always forgiving. A great leader is willing to instantly forgive and quickly forgive. If you've got your Bible, look at Ephesians. Notice, if you would, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 32. And be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'm not saying great leaders 
are good at forgiveness. I'm saying great Christian leaders are good at forgiveness. Their forgiveness is quick and it's complete. And you know it's always available. Period. So if you go to that a spiritual leader and you say, Dad, I'm really sorry. Forgiven. Don't worry about it. It's, it's over. We're going forward. I love you. Every Christian leader has got to build into the people that follow you and support you that you will always forgive if asked. And you'll forgive it in your heart without being asked. Do you remember the prodigal son? He came back to the father, and when his father saw him, he grabbed him, and the son pushed back and said, wait a minute, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm sorry. And Go, go kill the fat calf. Go put... It's like forgiveness is a sure thing. Do you make your family know that you'll forgive them no matter what? Like that. It's an important quality for a spiritual leader. You know why? Because they know you'll never hold a grudge. Look at verse 31 of Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away from you with all malice. Now, keep that thought in mind. Notice it says bitterness, wrath, anger be put away from you with malice. Malice is ill intent. Now take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter and notice if you would, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Peter 3 and verse 9. We're going to go back and forth because these were, these were uh, examples that Christ gave, and we're to follow in those footsteps as husbands. Notice what he says in verse number 9. Not rendering evil for evil. Now, you know what a husband could do? He can stop this, this rancor in his home as long as he doesn't re- rail when he's railed on. As long as he doesn't give evil for evil. Well, you said, well, you did. Well, he doesn't give it back. Notice, but contrary wise, a blessing. Number five, he's always full of compliments. Number one, he's a clear direction. Everybody knows where he's going. He's going to please the Lord. And it's not because He's this iron-fisted leader like uh, Hitler. He is a a strong-willed servant of the Lord that nothing is going to change his direction. Listen to this. This is Job 1. And it was so that when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, ten of them every day, For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, and thus did Job continually. He himself kept pulling his sons and his daughters back closer to the Lord. Lord, on my knees every morning. Lord, please bring my kids. Make sure they have the right heart for you. If one of them ever in their heart, no one would ever do it publicly, but in their heart, if they ever have a, a feeling of angst towards you, Lord, forgive them. Lord, please bring them back. There was a singular purpose, a clear direction that I want to do what's right and I want my 10 children to do what's right. There was this compassionate, tender-hearted direction that, that we've got to do what's right. It, it's important. Uh, number two, it's a sacrificial love that I, I love you and it doesn't matter what it costs me. 
Number three, if there's an honor for others, a value I place upon my wife, and everybody knows it. Uh, the children know, don't mess with mama. Dad loves her. She's a special lady. That's critical. Honor is spoken of in 1 Peter 3. Giving honor unto the wife. It's a command to a husband. It's a part of the atmosphere of love. There's no competition for her respect. No one can step up to her position. She is my wife. And everybody knows that. There's a level of honor ascribed to her by her husband that everybody says, wow, I, I want a wife like that one day. Notice number four, always forgiving. In, a, in an atmosphere of love, a house where there's an atmosphere of love, you know that if you go to your mom or your dad and you say, I, I just want you to know I'm so sorry, you know they'll forgive you that quick. Doesn't mean there's not a penalty, but you know they're not going to hold a grudge. You know you can hurt their feelings, you could break their heart, but you know they're going to forgive you. You know when you and I disobey the Lord and we step outside, what happened to Peter when he stepped outside and, and began to deny the Lord and deny the Lord, and then the third time they said, you are him and your speech betrays. Then he began to curse and swear to make sure everybody knew he wasn't a Christian and he wasn't with Jesus. What did it do? He went out in a broken heart and it just wept bitterly. And you read John, the last chapter, it took a while for him to convince Peter that he had forgiven him. Peter, feed my sheep. You're forgiven. Feed my sheep. Full of compliments. I think a great Christian leader, that's a husband, is always bragging on his wife, children. You may say, yeah, but you, you don't know what they've done this or they've done that. Everybody does a little bit of good. Everybody does. And when your children do a little bit of good, praise them for it. He looks for compliments. It's not hard when you love somebody. You see, a part of love is being good to them. A part of love is being complimentary. A part of love is being honoring. A part of love is giving and sacrifice. The atmosphere of love in a home causes everybody to say, I'm going with him. That's important. And you know, a good leader asks for forgiveness. Now, I've heard and from time to time, a strong leader never apologizes. That is a lie of the devil. A good leader always apologizes when he's wrong or whenever he even thinks he's wrong. <clears throat> it's not fun, but it doesn't detract from leadership. It elevates leadership. I'm sorry. I can handle that better. Will you forgive me? Most men <clears throat> are terrible at apologizing because of this little something that gets in our hearts called pride. Pride prevents everybody from apologizing. Apologizing is the great eraser. It's the tool that you give to someone to say, 
He's not going to do that again. It helps him to realize he really is sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Did you know the number one reason hell will be full and had to enlarge itself is because of pride. They could not take 15 seconds out of 70 years. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm ashamed of what I've done. And they end up in hell. Then every leader ought to be willing to apologize quickly and thoroughly. Sorry. No. Look at me. I'm really sorry. Forgive me. I'll do my best to fix that. To give peace to those that follow you. And lastly, and this is I think is real important. Notice if you would, 1 Peter chapter 3. I want you to notice this passage. 1 Peter chapter 3. This, we're talking about the attitude of love in a home. Verse 10. Verse 9 and 10. Not rendering evil for evil. He refuses to debate or to give something back to someone else. Evil for evil or railing for railing. Somebody raises their voice and throws at you, uh, you. You refuse to get involved with that. But contrarywise, he tries to take the tenor down and, and be a blessing to someone. Notice, if you would, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain, refrain his tongue from evil. He just refuses to get in the debate of, well, you said this, and you did that, and you've done this, and you've done that. Tit for tat. Eleven. Verse 10, the last part, and his lips that they speak no guile. There's no deviousness behind his words. Maybe you're smart, but you can't have guile in an atmosphere of love. There has to be a simple openness. No guile. There has to be such a, everybody knows that dad hates sin. Um, if you have your Bible, turn back to Job chapter 1. I, I love this. Now, keep your finger in First Peter. We're going to come back to there. But notice what he says in Job 1. And listen to the characteristics of, of Job, uh, whose name was Job. This is Job 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, the man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He turned away from evil. He hated evil. Now look over in 1 Peter chapter 3 and, and notice if you would in verse number 11. Let him eschew evil. Same word. Let him turn his back on evil. Let, I know my dad, he's not going to do evil. If he does, he's going to say sorry and walk on. It won't happen again. Let him eschew evil and do good. Every great leader that's got love in the atmosphere of his home Everybody knows what he loves and doesn't love. And they know he doesn't love wrong and evil. So when there's love in the home and the children love the parents, they don't want to do what's wrong because it's too hurtful. 
And when you teach them the love of God by your example and by your sacrifice, now that doesn't mean there's not a clear direction. You see, that's what's missing in most homes. It's just not good enough to bring your family to church and say, well, I'm here, aren't I? It is there's a passion in your heart. And, and I remember sitting down in, in my house with a missionary from Mexico, and he was telling us stories about people being saved and things that were going on. And I was just enamored with what he said. And my dad's sitting right there. There was a direction of good. Notice, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Let him chase after peace. How do you make for peace? You forgive and ask for forgiveness. So an an atmosphere of love is critical in every home. Now let's go back, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Notice it says, Verse three verses, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The Lord has a clear direction. The Lord is very sacrificial in his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He honors those. He said, I want you to walk worthy. Walk with honor. You're my child. I wanted to walk with honor because I was a pitman. The name meant something. It meant that you were honest. It meant that you were, you were a man of integrity, that your word was worth something, that you didn't have to write it down. If you said it, that was law. It was good enough. You thought about it, and then when you said it, uh, you were going to do it because you said so. Your word was good. My grandfather's word was good. I can remember uh, standing out in the field. My grandfather would take out his overhauls, a little pad and a pen, and said, we agreed for, for 10 cents a bale, right? Yep, 10 cents a bale. The guy said, right there, okay. And my grandfather had a check, wrote it out the check. We had 532 bales. That's right, that's right. And he'd write, and he'd figure, figure a little bit. The figuring was a little trouble, but the integrity was not. And I stood right there, and I watched it from my grandfather, and I watched it from my dad. He never cheated anybody. He took cheating. I know there were men that didn't pay him when he did the work. Almost put him under one time. But I didn't hear him trash those people. There was not this railing went on. There was not this bitterness. It was forgiven because there was a clear purpose. I'm going to please the Lord today and tomorrow. When that was lost, everything fell on the floor. And all I'm trying to say to you men tonight, it's easy to follow when you have a leader going someplace that loves you with all of his heart. And that's a man of integrity that hates evil but loves good. If that's not you tonight, now I want you to listen, ladies. There's a responsibility every lady has, and it's very clear in Scripture. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, like it's the Lord himself. You follow him, period. Notice, if you would, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, is as Christ is the head of the church. There's no argument about who's in charge of our church. The Lord Jesus Christ is. There's no debate about what we do, why we do this, why we do that, because it, it, we want to do it for Christ's sake. 
And so there should be no debate on who's the leader of the home. Uh, but it's because of his direction. It's because of his love. It's because of this atmosphere of love. And it's not there. It can be. There have been a lot of people who had bad homes and they changed it. They got on their knees and they said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but give me a clear direction. Lord, help me to do what is right. Lord, give me integrity of my heart. And the Lord is willing to do that. He's willing to give his spirit to you if you're willing to, to say, Lord, I want to be saved. And then once you're saved, if you're willing to say, Lord, I yield to your spirit, you can be changed into an image of Christ. That's been the whole theme for the whole year is changed into the image of Christ. But you've got to have a clear purpose. It makes it easier for your children when they say, I, I, I know which direction we're going, and I want to go. I want to do that. But if you decide to say, well, I don't want to go, but boy, I sure want to hurt mom. I don't sure want to hurt dad. I can remember <clears throat> coming home and walking into the little two-bedroom apartment at government housing after my dad had left. That was all my mom could afford. And I can remember walking in the door and hearing my mom with the door closed, Lord, protect my sons. Help them to do what's right. You know what? I could have done a lot of things, but wrong wasn't one of them. It was like there was somebody pushing me from behind saying, do right, do right, do right, do right. I was a freshman in school, and it was so difficult for me. I'd never been away from home. How many of you left and went away home as a freshman? I remember that. Uh, if you went away. And, and it was kind of a lonely time, and no Pittman had ever gone away to college. I was the first one. And I went a thousand miles away. There was nobody around. And my dad had left. And, and it was like my mom says, doing what's right is all on you. You carry the Pittman name. It was like I had the weight of the world's on my shoulder. And I can remember standing in front of my, uh, in my, my dorm room and saying, Lord, I don't think I can make it. I need your help. And going to bed that night and getting up the next morning, I can make it one more day. The good part about it, the phone down at the end of the hall, it was only one phone in the whole hall on each end. And, you know, you had to go in and wait in line to get to use the phone. And the line was too long. And you know me, I am not going to wait in line to call mom and say, I'm quitting. So I'm very thankful for that line. The Lord always has something that if you want to do what's right, he'll help you. And I looked at that line, you know, I can't call her tonight. The next morning... I think I can make it another day. And then when I went home for Christmas and saw my mom and saw how proud she was, I said, I have got to go back and finish this deal. I've only got how many years left? One day at a time. And the next semester was harder than the first semester. But the Lord was better to me the second semester than the first semester. And I learned. Be like dad and take no left turns. Be like dad until the end. Even if you're the only one standing, be like dad. So I have these pleasurable moments about my dad. 
I can remember the only ball game he ever came to watch me play. I remember looking up in the stands and saying, my mom and dad, be like dad. Be the last one standing if necessary, but be like dad. Today, could I challenge you? Build an atmosphere of love in your home so that everybody wants to go your direction toward the Lord. It's too painful not to. And it's too joyful too. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. An atmosphere of love. If you don't have it, you can say, I'm sorry I don't have it, honey. Children, we're going to have it. And the Lord will bless you. Lord Jesus, would you speak to our hearts tonight? Lord, would you help us to have an atmosphere of love? Would you love and support? Support from the wife, love from the husband, direction. Lord, would you bless our homes? Father, we're not going to get this kind of teaching at work, or we're not going to get this kind of teaching from the library, Lord. We're only going to get it from your word. And I plead with you tonight, dear Holy Spirit, drive your word home. That some of these young people sitting out here say, I want to do what's right, Lord, and if necessary, the last one standing. I'm going to do right till the very end. Lord Jesus, would you give us some husbands and some wives that just decide your direction is theirs. Your love is theirs. Your integrity is theirs. Your forgiveness is theirs. Your apologies are theirs. Lord, you, you make no apology because you're perfect. But Lord Jesus, you did say once it repented you. And Lord, I'm amazed. I pray that you bless in this room tonight. Lord, just before we take the Lord's table, would you help us to remember you are our example of the atmosphere of love. In your name we pray. Amen.